Next on BYU Sports Nation, spring football less than a week away for newly staffed BYU. What do you want to see most from the Cougars? Dave Rose joins us in studio. How his team turned a corner and what to expect against Portland and Gonzaga this week. Plus, he's headed to Rio to compete for Team USA in the Olympics. Marathon superstar Jared Ward in Studio B. Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation. Brought to you by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Now from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. We're doing it live in Radio Vision, BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Wednesday, February 24th, wherever and however you're dialed in. Great to have you with us. My name is Spencer Linton. I am sitting alongside a man who is now promoting the Gin Blossoms concert, Jerem Jordan. I was just looking to see what concerts are in Vegas while we're down there. Not that we actually have that much time to go to any of these concerts if we want more than six hours of sleep. But (laughs) I did see Gin Blossoms was down there. I like them back in the dizzle. Uh, I don't know if uh, that's probably going to – that's probably not going to happen. Las Vegas in a week, in less than a week. Yeah, so we'll we'll uh, head down next Wednesday. Thursday, we'll be live from Vegas, uh, the Orleans Arena, back there for the sixth straight year. It's going to be awesome. That's where we debuted BYU Sports Nation on TV, by the way. Two years ago. For those that have just caught up, this show is on BYU Radio only for six months. Then we launched it on TV, and it was in Vegas, and that was two years ago. So that will mark next week, marks on the, I believe the 5th was the first day, uh, two years of the show being on television. Simulcast. BYU Sports Nation. Awesome. Here are today's BYUSN headlines. BYU football announcing its spring football game will take place on Saturday, March 26th at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. We'll have much more on spring football and what to expect slash what you want to see in just a moment. Women's Hoops breaks into the USA Today Top 25 coaches poll. Number 22, Claude yes, Drexler finally. and Danny H. It's the first time BYU has been ranked since the final poll of 2014 when they finished in the Sweet 16. Men's volleyball, number three in the -the off-the-block media men's volleyball poll. How do they slip? The Cougars host a pair against Cal State Northridge this weekend on BYU TV. Jerem, did you do this to BYU? Did you make them fall to number three? No, because I voted them number two. (laughs) They received uh, two first-place votes. I have not voted them first in uh, like four or five weeks. Stanford made the jump to number two. Because they beat UCLA at home. That was a good win. Long Beach State, uh, still number one, but excited about those uh, matches this weekend. And Jimmer Fredette and the Knicks play at Indiana tonight, 7 Eastern time. All those Kurt Rambis haters out there oh are going to be watching close. Wear some goggles. Rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. The madness in March also involves college football. In and so it's building blocks. You know, you take here's kind of some base things, here's uh, some wrinkles to that, and we'll put in the base stuff. And then as we go through spring ball, we'll add wrinkles. And uh, that first week will be pretty basic, and then we'll start tweaking as we go. Heisman Trophy winner and new BYU offensive coordinator Ty Detmer joined us last week in studio to discuss the early agenda for BYU football in the spring. Now, first of all, let me just whip out the old cliche. What a difference a year can make. Do you remember when last March at BYU, the spring football MVP was Christian Stewart (laughs) and his backup was Hunter Moore? I asked Christian Stewart this morning, uh, hey, can you confirm that you're not going to be involved in spring football? And he said, I I cannot. (laughs) (laughs) 
So, to be determined. We don't think he's going to be in spring ball. Also, Tanner Mangum was throwing passes to Moroni Laulupututau in the South American country of Chile. Yeah. Or, yeah, Chile, as every return missionary in Provo says. Or Chile. <laughs> what in the world? I mean, the four quarterbacks on the current BYU roster all took snaps in a game last fall. When you play an FCS team, that happens. Christian Stewart and Hunter Moore did not take snaps. They were the spring quarterbacks, and 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 now it's totally switched. Yeah, Taysom Hill was there, but uh, did not participate in 11-on-11. Remember, he was ahead of schedule. So he he was there throwing, and we'll see if he's involved in spring football this year. Tanner Mangum, Taysom Hill. Bo Hodge, Coy Detmer all took snaps, and we expect to be involved to some degree. We'll see on Taysom in the 2016 spring BYU football practices. Oh, there's the new coaching staff, too. What? A new offense, a new playbook. Like I said, what a difference a year can make, and that sets up our Twitter question today. What do you want to see during BYU spring football? It begins next week. What do you want to see? Christian Stewart. Use the hashtag BYUSN. <laughs> At BYU Teddy Bear 89 Fire! The passion of the coaching staff during the offseason needs to translate to the players and be noticeable. Use the hashtag BYUSN way in. Number one, I want to see Taysom Hill participate to whatever degree that is. To see number four back on the field for BYU just a couple of weeks after he announced officially that he is coming back to BYU. I want to see what he's going to do. Only five months and change after that Liz Frank injury. Ty Detmer talked about Taysom Hill and what he expects from the Heisman Trophy candidate in the spring. Be determined by what he can do. If uh, if they clear him as we go along to, you know, be able to take drops and push off of that foot and make throws, he'll do that. If they clear him to be a hundred percent, he'll take everything. If uh, if it's just stand there and throw, he'll stand there and throw some routes. Again, Ty Detmer on BYU Sports Nation talking about what he expects from Taysom Hill in the spring. And we saw him drop back and throw some passes. I don't know that he will be as mobile as he was last spring because of the foot injury. Oh, I I would expect zero mobility. Yet, Ty just said, whatever the doctors clear him to do, we'll have him do. He could have have no participation, like not throw at all. We'll see next week when spring ball begins. I want to see Taysom. I also want to see Jamal Williams crush it on the field. That's the big one to me. He, he, he should, yeah, inception noise, exactly. Jamal Williams, to me, should be the star of spring football. He should be healthy. It's been uh, over a year and a half, I think a year and seven months or something, since that ACL tear. Hopefully it's you know, good, good to go and that he looks fresh and ready and has been training and, and is ready because he's going to be a fifth-year senior and a leader on this team. Only means 9.30 to pass Harvey Unga. But if Taysom Hill is a regular contributor, Taysom and Jamal will duke it out for the all-time leading rusher uh, this fall. But we'll see with the Tanner Mangum thing. It's, it is so compelling what is going on right now with spring football. So much excitement because you've cobbled together this new coaching staff that everyone's excited about. Uh, Taysom Hill back, Jamal Williams back, Tanner Mangum there, Nick Kurtz there, defensively Fred Warner growing, Troy Warner in there. There's so many storylines here. So to me, the answer to this Twitter question is a little different. I want to see the coaches coach. Mm. This is a brand new staff. I want to see how they interact with the players. I want to see how the practices are run. I want to feel the tempo. I want to feel the energy uh, that this coaching staff brings. A lot of new guys, Ty Detmer in that offense, Elias Tuyaki, Kalani Sataki, and company. How do they interact with those coaches, and what does it feel like? What do we see on the field with those guys? Isn't it interesting how, in just a year's time, you look at the most experienced group last year, the wide receivers, 
and now it has shifted to the quarterbacks between Tanner Mangum and Taysom Hill. And then you look at the running back stable as well with Jamal Williams coming back. And you LG only Brown. lose Adam Hine, essentially, and you add Squally Canada. Who, Francis yes, Bernard, Riley Burt. A lot of, lot of weapons there. A lot of weapons there. Defensively, how do they, how do they look? Uh, what schematically is maybe a little different? Ty Detmer was on the show and talked a lot about uh, being under center. They, they have the shotgun down. Being under center, that nuance for BYU's offense and the footwork and the snaps and the timing and all that will be different. The interaction between Tanner Mangum and Taysom Hill will be interesting as well because, as we pointed out, it's a unique situation. Some would call it awkward. Some would call it maybe controversial. I think that they can handle it. I'm, ex- I'm kind of excited to see the way that those two interact with each other in that position. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, both are leaders. The quarterback is generally a leader of that team. Taysom Hill was the clear leader uh, before injured, and then there were other leaders that emerged that were seniors. Hard to say. Okay, I know you've been off your mission like three months, lead this team, Tanner Mangum. Luckily, that didn't happen. He could lead on the field and be vocal, yet you had other guys on the team who helped with that. Harvey Longy, Mitch Matthews, uh, a lot of those guys were leaders there. So how does that dynamic play out? How, how much, um, you know, how is Kalani Sataki as a head coach? How, how is he as He's a head coach? He's never been a head He's coach. He's never been a head coach. So I'm excited to see those interactions as well. A lot of people excited about the Warner Brothers situation with Troy Warner yeah. deciding to come to BYU. Last minute had USC in the mix, was once an Oregon commit. Now he joins his brother Fred Warner. So the Warner Brothers in the mix for the first time on the defensive side of the ball as well. Which is exciting. Always good to have a young guy get into spring ball, get a little extra time, more reps, so that he doesn't come into fall camp, which is always crazy to me. I'm fr- I went to prom like... Two months ago, I show up at BYU, I get into some classes, and then like I have three weeks of practice, then all of a sudden we play games. That's just a rush process. <laughs> so for a guy like Troy Warner to be here, I think it's significant for him to get some PT in the fall. And he could be a weapon offensively. Ty Detmer talked to us about that. Kalani Sataki, when they announced him on signing day, said, and he can play offense. So Troy Warner will be used all over the field. Mitch Matthews graduated. Devon Blackman graduated. Taryn Houck graduated. That wide receiver core now. Who is the big gun there? Is it Nick Kurtz? Is it Moroni Lalupututau? Is it Mitchell Jurgens? That's a way too early question. Yeah, and, and how is the tight end used as well? I know Josh Weeks has uh, put on some weight to try and uh, shift the tight end and, and be an option there. And there's Matt Sumption and kind of guys under the radar there for BYU. How much are they used? Uh, yeah, lots of questions. So it's very exciting that next week, finally, we'll get at least a look into that. Can we... Take, can we take away from a spring ball BYU is going to be X, Y, or Z? I, no, not necessarily. Simple, I, simple, simple. I think after fall camp we can go, okay, we have a better idea of what this team actually is because the spring ball team, you have some guys that are injured, they're recovering, they're not there per se, but with this new coaching staff and the continuity of having uh, not one but two quarterbacks back, maybe one and a half given the injury to Taysom, you, you want some continuity that can carry over to the summer and then the fall. Base packages perfect the basics, and the Heisman Trophy winner Ty Demmer also talked about that when he joined us last week. So spring ball, we're going to work a lot under center just because they haven't been doing it a whole lot over the last few years. Uh, when we get to the season, we may be pistol. Uh, we may be uh, more under center. You know, that, that'll kind of work itself out as we go. Will the first snap for BYU of the 2016 season be in the pistol? under the center, or in shotgun formation. I hope it's some crazy trick play, just to mix it up. <laughs> just just wild. 
Hey, Wide receiver screen, pass down field, something crazy. You've got a few days to, to think <laughs> about what that play yeah, will we be. Do. In fact, how many are there? Countdown to the Wildcats. 192, 192 my, days away. My creativity has just waned on this. I'm just tired. Jerem needs some ideas about what he should do to <laughs> sabotage the countdown. No, to I've Arizona. got ideas. I just like can't find a trumpet. <laughs> Where's your air horn? I, I need to go to Where'd the your, your air horn is well, still. Well, I here, can always bust out the air horn. Yeah, yeah. I just thought that one was super annoying. <laughs> oh, thus I should bring it back. Trust me, yeah. it was really annoying. <laughs> also, eating potato chips live on the air and getting crumbs all over your. I microphone. was really hungry. I was surprised by the amount of oil on those, by the way, once I touched the desk. It's, the oil marks are still no, on the desk. No, they're not. No, they're not. <laughs> what do you want to see during BYU Spring Football? At our Greenhaw says what the new offense looks like. Squally Canada. There's another name. Jamal Williams and just an overall fire. We've seen that word twice. Fire. People are excited. Passion. Fire. Yeah. Synonyms. Send in your tweets using the hashtag BYUSN. Joining us in studio next is the head foot or head basketball coach, rather, at BYU, Dave Rose. He's making his way uh, over to those wonderful mustard yellow seats. Thank goodness we replaced those with the blues. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> any, any nostalgia in those seats, Dave? No. <laughs> Coach Rose joins us next in Studio B. BYU Sports Nation presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Simulcast on BYU Radio, moving pictures on BYU Television. The conversation happening right now on Twitter. Follow at BYU Sports Nation. Use the hashtag BYUSN. Starting next Thursday through Saturday uh, and Monday, Tuesday, we'll be live from Las Vegas with West Coast Conference Tournament live games as well as BYU Sports Nation. So check it out next Thursday, including a uh, special Saturday edition of the show on March 5th. Download the podcast if you missed our opening conversation about BYU spring football. Our Twitter question today is, what do you want to see during BYU spring football? At Cougar underscore Nate says, cohesiveness. I love all the a, words that are coming out of It's kind of a big word for just, you know, awesome play. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I wish we got it was one fun. from Cisco Ruta yeah. said football. <laughs> there's, there's the other end of that. There's cohesiveness and then, and then football. Hey, if, you know, good job, good effort on that one. Oh, let's switch gears a little bit. Go from football to basketball and start that off with our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Dave Rose is 6-2 and two in West Coast Conference play in the final week of the regular season. Here we are on this final week. BYU has won six of those eight games in the four years in the league. Year number five and joining us now in his 11th season as the head basketball coach at BYU and a guy who's now won 20 or more games in each of those 11 seasons is Dave Rose. Dave, nice to have you back in Studio B. Good morning, guys. It's good to be here. I am absolutely amazed. Why are you amazed right now? You guys do this every day. (laughs) (laughs) We get Saturday and Sunday off. And you find something to talk about. (laughs) And uh, I do know that uh, the the couple Twitter questions about the football season is – to each his own. Every fan has got their own idea of what needs to happen and what should happen. And I guess that's the beauty of it for us, because if there wasn't yeah. fans, we wouldn't have a job. That's you know? true. That's true. And so, uh, yeah. But you guys are amazing and do a great job. And first thing I'd like to do is congratulate our women's team. I mean, Coach Judkins and those, uh, those girls had a, a tremendous season. You know, it's five years since we've been in this league, and there's you got to figure out how to crack this code, you know, to get a, a, a league championship. And you know, the girls have done a great job, and, uh, you know, the staff, Ray Stewart and Belinda and 
it's just uh, I'm happy for him. And to do it with uh, with two games left, you know, that's uh, that's it's a amazing. Fun, that's a fun way to do it. Yep. Dave Rose with us in Studio B, and you bring up the West Coast Conference, and depending on how things play out this week. BYU still has a shot to win at least a share of the conference championship. How are you feeling about that going into the final? Yeah, week? yeah, we're we're in the mix. It's uh, it's good to have to be at the last weekend when things are really important. And and you know most it's, most seasons, what's really important late in the season to us is our opportunity to to get an at large berth into the NCAA tournament. And with this team, that doesn't seem to be a real option this year. And so hopefully we'll really. Uh, you know, continue to play well and, and got a chance for a league championship. And, and then next weekend is, is huge. It's as, as big as any tournament we've ever played in. So hopefully we'll be able to perform really well. And luckily you have two home games at the end. We've t- we talked a lot preseason with you about the schedule and whatnot, but you have two at home, Portland and Gonzaga. And it, it's, it's a weird situation where you could be as low as the three, two, or even the one. So what's the conversation like with your guys about what you can control? Now, we, we, you know, we, just talk, we really just talk about Portland mm-hmm. right now. Last week it was all San Diego, which was interesting. You, know, you get six days of the same team. That was pretty, uh, pretty intense. You know? And by Saturday night, uh, the second half, we were pretty good against San Diego, and uh, you know, but that that you know that's a, that's a, a unique thing. Well, we'll get you know we've had three days with Portland, and uh, then we'll have a day for for Gonzaga, and hopefully we you know we can get two big wins. I, I think that you know this is a great time of year for college basketball. Our crowds have been terrific. I hope we get a full house both nights, and uh, and then send these seniors off with uh, with uh, some some real excitement and. A great feeling uh, of a couple wins in the Marriott Center. Let's talk about that San Diego win. A 58-point win. Can you even be critical of your team at that point? Like, you walk in and say, should have won by 60. <laughs> well, there's, there's a lot of things, you know, that, uh, that we didn't do, you know, very well. And, we, 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 you know, but the, the bottom line was that it was one of those nights where usually, if, you know, if it's a large, uh, you know, difference in the score – you kind of decide when you're going to put that second group in. And, and it's hard for all those guys, those, those second team guys are all good players. And when you put them in with the starters, they, they, they have a chance to feel their way through. But when you have them all in there at the same time, all experiencing the same nerves and trying to you know, run your stuff uh, for the first time, because some of those guys haven't had very many, many minutes at all, and then that group increases the score 16 or 17 or 18 points, then it turns into a game like that. And, you know, Davin Gwynn came in and hit nine points in eight minutes. And, uh, you know, Jacob Hartsock hit two threes. And Jordan Chapman hit a three. And, you know, all that is is good for the future, not so much that night. It, 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 I wouldn't – you don't want the score to go like that. You know, you just don't because it's just – you know – kind of in this business what goes around comes around you don't want that to happen to to (laughs) you but what you do want is you do want those guys to play and you want them to get confidence and you know you're going to rely on them at some time and they're going to be guys that are going to have to make plays for you so you want it to happen and uh you know I just felt for San Diego because they could not make a basket it just could not go in and some of those we all have experienced those nights yeah me every Monday night in the rec (laughs) league in pro (laughs) every night um but I've been impressed by the adaptation of your teams to be able to play better at the end of the season. Um, what's that process like in a given season where you're one thing, but then you have to tweak that several times? Well, it is, it is a long season. Okay? You think about when we started playing basketball here back in October. Um, and Halloween was a long time ago. And 
So what I believe with our guys is that there's real high-character guys, and the way that we kind of run our program is that we challenge them and we expect them, you know, hold them accountable, and, but there's a real feeling of cohesiveness, which the one fellow wants to see on the football team. <laughs> there you go. You know? These guys get along together. And, uh, and like I said before, the end of the season has always been really important for us to, to try to qualify for this NCAA tournament. This group here, we need to win these two games, see if we can get a piece of the league championship, and then see if we can go win a conference champ, uh, tournament championship and, and, and get into the NCAA tournament. And, and I, I know our guys are they're together. Uh, we had a, a game a couple of weeks ago where we got no help from our bench. That can't happen again. I think they understand it. We've experienced it. And uh, we need them all. And hopefully that uh, we'll all be ready to go. Next game up is Portland, a team that beat BYU in the Northwest earlier this season. How much does that fact, that first result, factor into the motivation factor for your team facing them the second time around? You know, I think every team's different, you know, but uh, you know, this is the only team we haven't beat with this group in the league this year. So that, that's got to get their attention. We've been really good on Thursday nights, been really good. Uh, I think one thing, you know, uh, our biggest wins, the, the Gonzaga win at Gonzaga and the St. Mary's win at home, that next Saturday, that next night was a tough out for us. And, and, uh, and a lot of that, I think, has to do with depth and, and experience. And we've got these eight guys that this is their first time through this. And I think that when you get to this point in the year that – we're all second and third and fourth year guys because we've had enough experience. We've been through it all, and hopefully we can find a way to put two wins together this weekend. In three of the last four, you've scored 90-plus. Have you turned a corner offensively somehow? Well, I, I think that Zach Selyus is starting to play a lot better. Zach is a big part of our offense. When he got hit in that LMU game, and then he didn't play in the, the Pepperdine game, and then you know we, we didn't have him very strong for the, the, the next homestand, uh, the guys still really, you know, played well together, but we didn't have that that extra depth that we need. Uh, the styles of these teams that we played have helped us, but um, you know, I, I I just like the feel of our group right now. We're pretty determined. Uh, you know, Nick Emery has gone through a a really long season for a freshman that starts that plays thirty plus minutes, and I think Nick has started to find uh, his groove uh, the second time through. I mean, sometimes you. You get where you play really well, and then you kind of hit a wall, and then you got to find yourself again. And, and hopefully those young guys have figured that out, and uh, we'll put a good month together here, finish how, it. How is the overall health of the team right now when you talk about Zach Selyus, who was dealing with his shoulder, and Chase was banged up a little bit, but how is the health of the team? Well, I, I think, you know, besides the, 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 the nicks and scrapes that you go through, everyone's got something. You know, we, we've got the flu bug kind of going through right now, and hopefully we can, we can get through that again. We went through it earlier in the year, but uh, – um, the, the, there's nothing real serious, but, uh, you know, Chase had a shoulder and he kind of fought through it. I, I think this, this group, I'm really proud of them because we haven't missed a lot of games. These guys have, have, and they've practiced hard and they've come to, you know, to, to, to play. And, uh, and that's part of this code that you got to crack with this league because, uh, the depth, the teams that seem to really, uh, be the most successful every year are the teams who can play 9, 10, 11 guys and, uh, and get through those real tough road weekends. Speaking of serious topic, uh, who had shorter shorts? You when you played or Zach Selyus? <laughs> no question, I did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They were higher yeah. than that? There's no question. I mean, it, it's unbelievable. It's, it's very similar to the Dukes of Hazard. you know, the, <laughs> the shorts that we wore. The modern one with Jessica Simpson and or the, the old ones? Uh, both. Uh, <laughs> 
But my, our, our socks were definitely longer because they, they came clear up to our knees. Yeah, and our shorts were definitely shorter. It was, uh, it was an era that I'm looking forward to. Hopefully we can get back to that. I'm, I'm hoping that the guys... Uh, yeah, are you in favor of the Zach Selyus trend? Absolutely, yeah. It reminds me of John Stockton, one of my favorite players ever. Dave Rose with us in studio be breaking down shorts length for, uh, for major Division I college basketball. <laughs> We noticed today that uh, the construction process of uh, the Marriott Center Annex is now showing some physical, tangible uh, structure. How, how much are you tied into that day-to-day process? I, I go out, and, and it's, it's interesting because you can see from the concourse of the Marriott Center, you just walk over there, and it can be snow and rain and whatever, and I kind of just stand there and watch them. As they uh, as they build, it makes like, me smile. Who's, who's that? Yeah, Don't mess it but up. They, they've got the footings almost totally completed for the building. The elevator shaft looks like it's uh, um, you know about done, and I, I, it, it makes me smile. Walking over here today from uh, it was quite a quite a project to uh, to get started, and then a pro- quite a project to get approved, and now uh, a project to get finished. So. Um, and that goes back to Halloween again because that's when we think it's going to be done. That's when we hope it's going to be done. And so right before the season. This will be a, a, a great addition to uh, our programs, to the, the women's programs, the men's program, and our players being able to reach their full potential. Yeah, a lot of people are excited about that. And uh, we're excited to use it, you know, right next door to us. It's oh, going to be great. Right. That's right. Yeah. At lunchtime or something on Monday night. Where are you going to play catch? <laughs> yeah. Well, we want to play basketball, too. I know, but yeah. where are you going to play catch? That's a good question. You know, where are we going to play displaced. catch? We've been displaced. Yes, you have. Uh, there won't be grass uh, in front of the Marriott Center still, a little bit? No, I don't think so. I think it's a, uh, it's a big patio area that walks up to the, the Hall of Fame. This this changes my opinion of this building. And and there's a lot lot of glass out front, too, so you won't be throwing balls around there. (laughs) Potential for some real danger. No, yeah, no one's giving us the kind. We call it Dave Rose's Lawn. Yeah, Dave Rose's Lawn is becoming Dave Rose's front patio. (laughs) You're going to tell us to get off your lawn at some point. What did you think of Jimmer getting in? One, getting on the Knicks and then getting in the game the other day. You know, that Jimmer thing is is such a – yeah, an amazing phenomenon that's taking place in the NBA. I mean, he has got a following uh, from his days here at BYU that I think makes the NBA kind of nervous. I mean, uh, no one likes – a coach doesn't like it when the, ch- the fans start chanting, we Jimmer, want somebody, Jimmer. we want somebody. Uh, and Kurt Ramos gave into it and put him in. The team was two for 17 from three, and then Jimmer shoots one and whack, it's in, you know. So they're three for 18, and everybody's wondering why don't you play the guy who makes them instead of all the guys who are missing them. But uh, the bottom line is uh, this is, I think, really good for Jimmer's career. Uh, the fact that he got into D-League, scored a lot of points, was a D-League MVP, scored 35 points, and it's kind of resurrected the fact that this is a scoring guard. You put him in the game and he will score for you. It might not translate to the NBA, but it will translate somewhere in the world. And uh, I'm happy for Jimmer. I'm happy that he got a chance to get a Knicks uniform on and get in Madison Square Garden because that was his dream since uh, he was a you know, little kid growing up in uh, – in Glens Falls, and uh, so I, I think that uh, I want it to really work out for he and, and Whitney. They're, they're great people, and uh, we'll just continue to follow his career. How much correspondence do you have with Jimmer? We, we send texts back and forth quite a bit, and then when he's in town, we always see each other. And um, I, I do some things for him at his events, and he comes and does some things for us at our events. He, he is one of the most selfless guys out there as a professional athlete. I mean, he'll, he'll – He'll uh, arrange his schedule to help just about anybody when you call on him. 
Senior night, uh, Saturday night, uh, final two home games for uh, three dudes in particular. What, what's kind of the legacy to you of Kyle Collins with Chase Fisher and Nate Austin? Well, I think of uh, Kyle, and Kyle is kind of uh, – Kyle and Nate both, you know, they signed and committed here when we were in a different league. So that's the kind of the end of that era. The, 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 everybody else has uh, – you know, they, they they would have committed or signed, you know, during the, the WCC era. So, uh, but, you know, he's the last, Kyle's the last guy to, in the program that's been to the Sweet 16. So we need to crank that back up and see if we can get back there and get these guys to experience that, that run. Uh, and then, he, you know, the, 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 there's just so many teams that he's played on and his individual success has been tremendous here. Nate has been a guy who has just fought every day. Every day he's had so many issues with uh, – you know injuries, but it never stopped him. Slowed him down a little bit, but never stopped him. And uh, it was interesting the other night after the game in the the press room when they told me that he set the record for the most fouls. He tied it. I told you, he tied the yeah. record. We, we count down, by the way. I'll, I, I guarantee you that'll happen. Okay. <laughs> On Thursday? No, no. I don't know if it'll be Thursday, but he'll set the record. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that, that's a uh, you know the, that tells a lot about the effort that 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 Nate plays with, and a little bit about how selfless he is for his team because. You know, sometimes guys will just get out of the way and not foul to keep themselves in a position where they can continue to play. And Nate's a guy that wants to make sure that uh, things are done right. And if he's a little late, he'll still try to get it done. And sometimes that creates a foul. Chase's situation is amazing to me what he's done since he's come. I mean, he's going to be um, one of a a few guys who have scored 1,000 points in two years. I think maybe there's only two or three guys that have done that. Um, So, And he's been a part of – you know, uh, three teams uh, that have been, you know, really successful teams. And he came from a program where that's why he wanted to come to BYU is he wanted to win, he wanted to play, and, and we, we kind of got his career back on path. And uh, he has been a, a really fun and entertaining guy to have around. <laughs> uh, uh, we're really going to miss Chase because he's, uh, he's active every day, not only on the floor but – in uh, the locker room and verbally, yeah, in uh, in, in those and, and our, our guys love him. He's he's uh, he's one of those guys that's easy to get along with. Dave, great to have you in Studio B. Uh, let's go ahead and give you the BYU Sports Nation karma for Thursday against Portland. We need it. Knock off that uh, the only team in the West Coast Conference that BYU has not beaten this year. Yeah, hopefully we can get it done. Short shorts for the win, man. (laughs) (laughs) Not for the coach. (laughs) Dave, great to have you. Thanks so much for the time. Thanks, guys. Good luck to you. Don't chant at Dave to put anyone in the game. (laughs) That's what we learned today. Coaches don't like that. We want Davin. We want Davin. (laughs) Well, the way Dav played the other night, I should put him in. My goodness, he had nine points in eight minutes. Morton Chase. You figure that out. That's a lot of points if you play 40. That's right. Jared Ward, future Olympian, joins us next. Welcome back, sports friends. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan broadcasting in Radio Vision, live on BYU Radio, simulcast on BYU TV, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans all over the world. We just heard from Dave Rose in studio. His team plays Portland tomorrow night, 11 p.m. Eastern time. You can listen to it right here on BYU Radio. Watch it on ESPNU. The Pilots beat BYU at home. BYU has been much better at home against those teams that maybe they struggled with a little bit, even in wins on the road. See San Diego. Check it out tomorrow night, 11 Eastern. Yeah, what can BYU do following up a 58-point win <laughs> at home? It's all downhill from there. BYU football announcing its spring football game will be held on Saturday, March 26th at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Download the podcast to hear our entire early conversation on what to look for 
throughout all of spring football. And keeps the tweets coming using the hashtag BYUSN. Women's Hoops breaks into the USA Today. Top 25 coaches poll at number 22. It's the first time BYU's been ranked in the poll since the final poll of 2014. BYU men's volleyball, number three in the off-the-block media poll. The Cougars host a pair against Cal State Northridge this weekend on BYU TV. Jerem, what did you vote BYU, by the way, in that media poll? Number two. So they dropped to three despite my number two uh, vote for them. How do they slide to number three? Whatever. Stanford had a nice win against UCLA on okay. Sunday morning. And Jim Fredette and the Knicks play at Indiana tonight, 7 Eastern time. Joining us now in Studio B is the newest qualified Olympian with yeah. BYU yeah. ties, Jared awesome. Ward. That is awesome. Thanks, guys. Jared, nice to have you in studio, man. Thanks for having me. I can't stop staring at your clean-shaven face. Where did what your happened? mustache go? I know. I know. I, I keep getting. I keep hearing baby face all over campus, you know. Um yeah, my wife says it takes years off of me to shave that face. Is she in favor of this? Did you do it for her? You what? know, she's she's good to me, and I would say she's uh, she's pretty tolerant. But she's excited every every once in a while when I I give it a rest. Are you faster without him? <laughs> I don't know that I have ever tested that. <laughs> <laughs> now you have something to add into your research. <laughs> yeah. Now, now tell us about that. But before we go into you know qualifying for the Olympics in the marathon, which is unbelievable. You're going to school right now, and mm-hmm. remi- is it master's or PhD? Remind me. So I I graduated with my master's uh-huh. last year, and uh, and I'm teaching adjunct here uh, in the stats department. Hey, would you just calm down a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> and you studied what was it splits in so, marathons or something? Yeah, I analyzed splits uh, for a marathon, kind of trying to determine optimal pace strategy. And it, apparently the research was really good, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, it went well, and uh, and I like to think that I, I learned a couple things from it. You're um, going to the Olympics. When did the reality set in that I'm going to be competing for Team USA in Rio? <laughs> I still don't know if it's all the way set in yet. You know, it's, uh, it's one of those things where it's been a dream, um, you know, somewhere between a dream and a goal for my whole life. So you almost, you've spent so much emotion on it that by the time it actually happens that uh, you wonder if it happened or not. But it was a pretty real feeling, um, giving my wife, uh, you know, a teary-eyed hug right after the race, and then Coach Stone and my parents there. Um, you know, there were some, uh, some real emotions for sure. When did you first think, okay, the route to the Olympics is the marathon for me? Um. Probably right after my first marathon, uh, you know, back in that uh, eligibility fiasco, kind of at the end of my my college running there, where I had lost a season, and then it ended up coming back at the end of the season. At the onset of that, coach said, "Well, we're not doing anything this fall. Maybe we should run a marathon." So in 2013, I ran Chicago, um, and in college, uh, it was clear that the longer the race, the better. And then the marathon just made it all the more clear that the lo- it seems the longer the race, the better. Was it during that marathon, the Chicago Marathon, where we were like, oh, I, I can do this? Uh, not so much during, um, but maybe uh, in a careful analysis after. You know, there's, a, there's not a lot of uh, positive uh, feedback during, <laughs> during the marathon. <laughs> that brings up, a, you know, a serious question we had this morning, is, and that is how does one develop the mental fortitude to go through just a grueling race like that. <laughs> well, you try to uh, you try to not be in the race mentally until halfway through. You know, if you can get if you can get halfway through without having really spent any I don't know of your mental bank, then you can save store it all away for later. Um, and so you know, often in the, the beginning of the race, um, you know, and if you're trained well, the the first half shouldn't 
hurt too bad, you know? So a lot of times I'm reading signs that people are holding up or laughing at the dumb stuff that people yell at you or, you know, and then watching what's going on around me. Um, and then my focus narrows at the end of the race and, uh, and you, you try to save all that focus for those last few miles cause you need it. What do people yell at you that you laugh at? Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think of signs like, uh, you know, only uh only 25.2 miles to go (laughs) you know holding up at the mile one mark or you know you know everyone's i remember this big dude um uh, standing out one race uh, a couple marathons ago that was just yelling my mom can run faster than you guys (laughs) you know and so early in the race you hear some of that stuff and then you hear a lot less of it late in the race 26.2 miles i saw a sticker on a car the other day that said (laughs) (laughs) 0.2 That was my car. I think. Yeah. <laughs> kick out of that. I'm like, I need that. I need that sticker. I'm, I am all Seven about Seven little that. stick figures on the back here. Okay. You talk about how your wife has been good to you. And obviously it takes like a crew of support and, you know, a team that is encouraging you along, along the way. So who's in your crew? Who's in your circle of trust helping you get to where you are right now? You know, I, I don't know that I could... Uh, that I could make a bullet point list um, in the time that we have here. You know, there's been so many people along the the pathway that have facilitated that. I've always felt like that, uh, you know, a, a lot of people could accomplish what I have and more had they been dealt the royal flush of players that I have. But, you know, you, the, the obvious, the quick standouts are, you know, mom and dad um, that gave me every opportunity and my siblings that um, helped to motivate and push me and, and encourage. And then good high school coaches coaches and supporters that way and then good college coaches and trainers and massage therapists my wife's actually a massage therapist and then you know and then it comes to the big one you know my wife who who cooks for me and takes care of our kids and uh, is my massage therapist and encourages all sorts of sacrifices in terms of our family lifestyle to facilitate the running and uh, you know there's certainly a lot of players and really that's what you think you know this marathon uh, this last one uh, was the the hardest one in terms of effort near the end of the race that I've ever run. And uh, and like in that last half mile, when you're going one foot in front of the other, wondering if the next step's going to be your last and you're just going to crumble. It's the faces of those people that I'm seeing in my mind, you know, almost feeling like, you know, these people have invested so much into me. You know, this isn't, it's not just about me. It's, it's their investment too. And so it ends up being the same people who got you there that get you through it. You know, it's, you know, help you once, help you twice, but, but certainly feel like there's been a lot of good people in the path. Wow. When in the process at the end there, are you thinking, okay, I'm in, I'm in third place. Do you know you're in third place at that point? And do you know how far ahead you are and how, I I mean, and and you're thinking, (laughs) okay, just finish and I'm in, right? You know, the funny thing is there was you know, I don't know how many times I heard someone yell how far ahead second place is from me, right? Hmm. But three go, and all I cared about was how far back fourth place was. <laughs> so it was interesting that, you know, someone would say, you know, you're 25 seconds to Meb, who was in second. I'd be like, I'm not worried about Meb. I'm worried about who's coming. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I didn't know, you know, you, you can kind of gauge um, a buffer. You hear... You know, if you hear a wave cheering for you and then a break and then a wave cheering for the next person, you know, you're for me 30, 40 seconds. And I wasn't hearing a second wave. So I knew I had mm. some sort of buffer, but, but you never know who's coming. And, uh, and at the end of the marathon, um, it's not like you feel like you have anything to fight someone off if they come. So, 
so I certainly was, you know, hoping for that. And there's a hairpin turn with about 400 meters to go in the race. So when I turned around and looked up and uh, couldn't see fourth, that was the that was the sigh of relief and uh, kind of the first. You know what? I think I'm going to make it to the line. That was the moment. That you was turn, and that was the moment. Yeah, that was the moment. You know, the faces of of the support cast um, that I have. You know, seeing my wife and my parents in my mind, coaches uh, got me to that hairpin turn. And then when I turned around and uh, and uh, didn't see fourth place, then I could take it from there. <laughs> Jared Ward just qualified to run the marathon in the 2016 Olympics in Rio, Brazil. He's joining us in Studio B. What did you do to celebrate that night? Or in the following weeks, to knowing that you're going to the Olympics. Oh man, it took it took until about seven o'clock that night um, for my stomach to feel normal again. You know, I I ended up drinking about two gallons of water in between when I finished the race and that evening before I before I felt like I was back up to my you know normal hydration. You know, it was just so hot and um, so there wasn't a, there wasn't a lot of immediate. Uh, celebration in terms of food and you know it was like uh, laying on a bed and and my wife was massaging me and the kids were trying to jump all over that you know yeah Yeah. um but uh but the next day uh on sunday we uh we hopped on a uh, cruise ship and uh set off for catalina island in ensenada mexico and that that is the way to recover from that's the first time (laughs) i've done that from a marathon and i think i think in terms of anything that i learned from this marathon it was the uh the way that you recover from a marathon is you go on a cruise (laughs) how does a marathoner get his run on or maybe you didn't uh on a cruise ship well when it's uh when it's days after the marathon you don't you just uh you just enjoy it but um for the enthusiast um there's often a uh you know, about 11 laps to the mile track, you can go and, and heck it, you know, yeah, my son wanted to race me that my son didn't get that. I just ran a marathon, right? He's three <laughs> years old. Do, he, yeah. he wanted to race me every That's day fun. on that track. Right. But no, they're good. You know, I've in times past, uh, you know, I've, I haven't been on that many cruises, but, um, when it's in the middle of training, you, you try to get on a treadmill and then you get to port and, uh, you go tour Mexico, you know, <laughs> have you thought at all in depth about, what that moment will be like when you walk in for the opening ceremonies in the summer Olympics. (laughs) You know, in fact, uh, I was asked, uh, would I, was I planning to attend the opening ceremonies? They told me that it's on August 5th and then my race is on August 21st. And, uh, and I was kind of like, Oh, I don't know. That's a long time. And then, um, you know, and then talking with coach about it and, uh, and thinking about, you know, that moment, I think, you know, I think I got to go and, uh, and be a part of it. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, that may be, you know, you were asking, has it, ha- has it hit um, that I'm running in the Olympics? That, that might be when it really hits. I don't know. Yeah. Just don't go swimming. Yeah. You did, you see that? did you see that pool yeah. or the, the oh little lake? Goodness. Yeah. I'm glad yeah. I'm not a triathlete. <laughs> Yet, uh, we would love uh, if you have an opportunity to bring us something back for the set from the Olympics. Okay. If, if yeah, you have a chance. Chance. you don't from that lake or just from. from... <laughs> hey, whatever. Do you want to bring some, a, gar- a piece of garbage back from yeah. that lake? That's cool. This is Olympic garbage. <laughs> we will. Uh, I'll. I'll. Uh, I'll find you something special. Something we'll do that. Awesome for the set would be sweet. sweet. Garbage. Sweet. Not garbage. <laughs> Not garbage. Yeah. Jared, we'd like you to sign the flag on your way out to uh, our new stretch wife flag. We we need your awesomeness in Studio B. Sweet. I can do that for you. Thanks, Jared. Jared Ward on BYU Sports Nation, Olympian in Rio in 2016. Unbelievable Later what he was, this able, year. What he, he was able to accomplish 
When he didn't even really know he wanted to run marathons in the first place. Isn't, isn't that crazy? That's awesome. So adding another Olympic signature to the flag. Unbelievable. Up next on BYU Sports Nation, more awesomeness. Not as awesome as Jared Ward, perhaps, but we promise to do something good. BYU Sports Station presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Spencer Linton and Jaron Jordan live from Studio B. Remember, if you miss an episode of this show live, catch the rebroadcast weeknights on BYU TV starting at 6 p.m. Eastern. This weekend, we'll be back in the Smithfield House for men's volleyball on BYU TV. The Cougars take on Northridge, ranked 12th in the country. Check it out Friday night, 9 Eastern time. Saturday, 10 Eastern time. Uh, so as to not go up against BYU and Gonzaga. So it should be a fun weekend in Smithfield House. BYU basketball and those three significant letters, RPI now. It's the Daily RPI Watch on BYU Sports Nation. The Cougars in at number 69. That's down one spot from 68 yesterday. And that prompts something that Jeremy and I want to bring up earlier from our conversation with Dave Rose. At large ability, as Jerem coined, Yesterday, I believe. That's a word. Look it up. It's like muggle. Is not looking too great, especially according to the head ball coach. Yeah, Dave Rose, uh, if you missed it earlier on the show about 20 minutes ago, said the following with this team that, meaning an NCAA at-large bid, doesn't seem to be a real option this year. He continued, so hopefully we'll be ready to continue to play well and have a chance at a league championship. He later emphasized, okay, we need to win these two games and we need to go down to Vegas and see if we can't win a tournament conference championship. Now, BYU has not won the tournament since 2001. And never in the Dave Rose era. And never in the Dave Rose era, which is 05, 06 to now. I don't see how something, in, how something in 01 connects to 2016 in that way because each season is different. However, it just is, there, there's not a ton of confidence because BYU hasn't won it in 15 years. But with St. Mary's and Gonzaga down this year, it is get the ship in Vegas. Oh, it's or wide bust, open. It's man. wide open, man. And it's wide open. BYU has already defeated Gonzaga and St. Mary's and Pepperdine. So it's going to be interesting. We're going to be down there in Vegas, as we mentioned. It's going to be maybe the most compelling situation in Vegas that BYU Hoops has had because, one, they have to win it to get in in most, uh, most cases. And then, two, their best chance is this year to do it because they don't have a giant. Uh, in the league this year. The if, Giant physically is if BYU, a bonus. So even if BYU runs the table all the way to Tuesday night's tournament championship game you're and st- have 25 wins. You'd still be nervous on selection Sunday. Absolutely. You, you would still be nervous. There's a shot, but you'd still be nervous. To me, the most validating thing that's been said on this set about at-large was from Dave Rose because he's looking at it from his team's perspective unbelievably biased, we try and write about BYU hoping well, to get in. he's been to the NCAA tournament as an at-large 8 out of 10 years. Which is really impressive. You, you want to get some auto bids into there, and that's the hope. And he, met, he mentioned that Kyle Collinsworth is the last of the, anyone that played on the Sweet 16 team, so he said we need to fire that back up so those guys have that experience. I think a lot of BYU fans expect the Lone Peak 3 and company to get to at least one or two or three. I don't know what the expectation is. It's really high, though. We've had a little bit of everything today. BYU basketball and their NCAA tournament hopes. We've had a future Olympian on the show, Jared Ward. And we've also talked BYU spring football. I love it. How we roll. We're not done yet. The Cougar Whip Round hits next. BYU Sports Nation presented in part by DexterLaw.com. Help when you need it most. Jaren? Whip it. 
It's time for the Cougar Whip Around Football. BYU announces the spring football game is on Saturday, March 26th at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Women's basketball. The ladies break into the USA Today Top 25 coaches poll at number 22. It's the first time BYU has been ranked since the final poll during that Sweet 16 run in 2014. Volleyball. Cougars are number three in the Off the Block media poll. The Cougars host a pair against Northridge this weekend on BYU TV. Jimmer. Fraudette and the Knicks play at Indiana tonight at 7 Eastern. Men's basketball. Jay Billis has BYU number 65 in his index, calling them solid but not spectacular. Also, BYU's RPI fell one spot to 69. Softball. Sophomore outfielder Madison Merrill, the College Sports Madness West Coast Conference Softball Player of the Week, currently batting 440 on the season. Golf. It's good. It's made a real bit to Panthers, so you know it's good. 25th-ranked Cougars finished fifth. The Gold Rush Tournament, Alex White finished in a tied for fifth uh, place overall and shot one under for the tournament. Tennis. BYU women's tennis play at Utah at 7 Eastern. Trying to wrap up a sweep on the tennis side. The men already took care of Utah over the weekend. Taking care of business, man. Every day. Future guests include MRGC Gymnast of the Week, Mackenzie Halliday, one of the top 25 all-around gymnasts in the entire country. Nate Austin chasing down Russell Larson's foul record will join us as well from BYU Men's Hoops. And, of course, Brendan Sander of Men's Volleyball as they get they're trying to win 30 straight sets. They've had eight sweeps in a row. They want more. Yeah. Eight straight sweeps is a program record. Eight straight sweeps. 24 consecutive sets. BYU, Pretty men's good. volleyball, number two in the country in the AVCA, number three in the media poll. I always love getting out of there at like 8.30 instead of 9 or 9.30. It's just me. I don't know. You get paid the same, right? <laughs> I'm just happy to get paid at all. <laughs> I'm just happy to be here. Today's Rise and Shout brought to you by Dexter and Dexter Help when you need it most. DexterLaw.com. Who gets our Rise and Shout? Should we give it to Jared Ward? I want to give it to Jared Ward. Yeah. It was fun to have him back in studio. Cool to see where he's been and where he's going. Hopefully not the, the lake in Rio. What do you want to see from BYU during spring football? Our elite tweet of the day from at Vaughn Emmett. A pronunciation guide for the names of all the new players and coaches. It's true. There's a lot of Polynesians in there. We're, Good luck, ESPN play-by-play guys. BYUSN will make sure you know how to do it. Thanks to Dave Rose and Jared Ward. Show on demand. Download the podcast.